in the headboard above the bed, it has like little like star lights, like individual like little tea lights Aww. that light up. It's, it's quite a look. Did you put those on to fall asleep? That does that help? No, I don't need any help falling asleep. <laughs> I used to always stay in Scandic hotels there. That's where I am. I'm in okay. a Scandic. Yes. There yeah. you go. On multiple continents. Got your back. Let's do it. Happy Wednesday to you folks and welcome to Got Your Back NHL edition. LeBron, Rashog, and MJ, yes, Mystic Mike, joining us from the World Hockey Championships where he has just landed for the quarterfinals in Finland. Great podcast in store for you today. The new general manager of the Calgary Flames, Craig Conroy, in conversation with Pierre and I in our second segment. Make sure you stick around for that. Also, lots to discuss around the National Hockey League, including the situation in Toronto. We'll chat about Kyle Dubas's future, how this whole thing was handled, and we'll look at some coaching coaching vacancies around the league and who might be a fit where. Of course, got your back, NHL edition is brought to you by our good friends over at Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals, where they provide equipment and supplies to all facets of the Canadian construction industry. What sets them apart, though, is their get-or-done attitude. They live by it. Their staff members live by it. They'll bend over backwards, making sure their clientele get what they want, when they want it. Uh, No excuses. Cross Country Canada taking great pride in that attitude, and they believe their customer success is their success. Proud to have them as title sponsors here on Got Your Back, LeBron and Rashad. As we say hello to the fellas, I almost said good morning, but I'm not sure that that fits, Johnny. You have now moved from Riga, Latvia Mm -hmm. over to Finland. And so what time, like we're taping this at 7 Mountain Time here on a Wednesday. What time you got there? 7 Mountain, 9 Eastern, 4 p.m. Right. Finland time. And just to keep things, the continuity of it all, I just woke up. So there we go. It feels like it's 9 a.m. Eastern because the late afternoon nap, it was an early start. Although I'll say this, we got to fly the charter from Riga to Finland and we were on there with Team Canada and Team Czechia. So I'm like, oh, it's old times. I'm flying a tar- charter with Shane oh, Doan. Yeah. It, it was great. So, But that was like an early flight this morning. So I, I just, just had a nice little nap. So I was ready to go for today. Nice. I used to keep, I used to try and keep, uh, now, I, when I covered that tournament, MJ, I was in my late 20s, early 30s. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so uh, I used to keep North American hours in Europe. So you that can't do it made that. for radio shows. And, uh, you can't do that. There's no really? way. There's no, no way. I was young. I was I was up late. I was up late in those days. Well, I, I used to assume the ago. reason, yeah, you were walking around looking like a zombie was because of you know the good times <laughs> you were having, as opposed to just not sleeping properly. That's uh, yeah, that's I was what, not sleeping properly. Bit of both. Uh, <laughs> I tell you what, that that town Riga, Latvia, it it took a bite out of some of the teams. They enjoyed themselves there. It was it was a very very yeah. fun couple weeks for the guys. Yeah, I was there a couple years ago uh, when the World Championships were over in Denmark. Uh, we started mm-hmm. in Riga, Latvia, uh, covering Team Canada. So it's a lot of fun. Speaking of fun, John, listen, lots to break down in the National Hockey League. Yeah. We'll get to that in a minute. But you got to experience something pretty cool, man. Those those Latvian fans, tell us about what went down, the importance of that game, and what that was like. Yeah, listen, like the World Championships, I get it's not the, it's not the Stanley Cup playoffs, especially for North American fans. But last night, I was in Riga, Latvia. Latvia hasn't made the quarterfinals in over 10 years, and they needed mm-hmm. one point. So when we get to games overtime, against a previously unbeaten Switzerland, best in the group, 
uh, mm-hmm. to get to the quarterfinals and host a quarterfinal game at home. And sure enough, they get out to a one nothing lead, one one, two one Latvia, two two two, three two, five minutes left, Switzerland. You're thinking that's it. There's no. It was a great run. The air was out of the building, and with five minutes left, the captain Casper's Dogovich, who used to play in Ottawa for a little bit among other teams, scores to tie it up, and it was as loud a building I have ever experienced in person in my life, any oh. venue, any sport, any moment. And they were that way for the better part of three hours. It was an incredible emotional scene for them. And then they won or they got it to overtime and then they wanted it in overtime to make it even better. And it was like, yeah. it's like they won the Olympic gold medal. It was, it was that sort of important. Every politician, Christoph Porzingis, Every player, Zemgis, Gergensen's guys not on the team were in the building. Everyone in Latvia came to watch this, and they won it on home ice. It was like it was a special. Every now and then, I'd like take my ear thing off just to get just a sense of what it actually it. sounded yeah. like. I'm like, I got to put that back on. It was beyond loud. It was incredible. And Latvian fans are known to be rambunctious, anyways. But this is times a million, um, and they did it the entire game. It was Pierre. You can appreciate Latvian fans. It was well, special to be part of. I was just gonna say. I mean, I I haven't covered that tournament since 2005, so almost 20 years. But Latvian fans were the absolute rock stars of all the six men's world championships yeah. that I covered. Literally, they were the loudest fans at every year. And of course, at the 2000 World Championships, I've told this story many times. But in Saint Petersburg, Russia, they had just built that new rink in Saint Petersburg. The Russians have Bure. Uh, I think McGillney, Kovalev, all the who's who of their NHL stars for the first game of the tournament. And little Latvia with Archers, Urbe, and Net. And he stopped 50-plus <laughs> shots. Mm. And he, Vladimir Putin had just been elected, I think, president. Uh, and he was in the crowd. I'm, I'll never forget that. And um, they had to, you know, the, the Russians had to listen to the Latvian anthem. And after the game, I mean, I get that it was a huge upset. I'm waiting for Archer Survey because he's really the only guy in Latvia that I knew. And he was just so emotional because he talked about how 10 years before that, so this is 2000, 10 years before that 1990 Soviet tanks had rolled into Riga. Oh, my gosh. And now you're getting the historical context of what this win meant at the time for Latvia. And it's always stuck with me. But even beyond that moment, talking to Latvian hockey fans over the years, the world championships are the biggest thing of the year for so many of them. They save up their money to go mm-hmm. to the world. That's their pinnacle moment of the year. Uh, it's just so important for them. So I, I, I think it's amazing they had that moment last night, uh, Mike. Canada yeah, get to face Finn. And just to yeah. be fair, Shoggy, it didn't end in the rink. Like it, it was I don't know, like July Fourth, Victoria Day, Memorial not. Day. It was oh, yeah. a. It, it's still going. When I left at seven in the morning, they were going strong, celebrating. Love it. Absolutely. love. They always make that event. All the, the tournaments I've covered that they've been part of. I mean, when their team loses, they sing the anthem to them anyways. Like, it's it's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. Uh, so Canada, Finland set to go in a quarterfinal. Johnny, quickly, uh, what's been the story for Team Canada so far of the event? Um, their goaltending, Sam Montebault, building off yeah. his good year in Montreal. He's been kind of the one standout. And Mackenzie Weger is the one kind of superstar player they have. Other than that, they're a sort of grinded out team. Uh, they have only two 20 goal scorers in Tyler Toffoli and Lawson Kraus. So it's not, a, you know, high flying up and down the ice. It's sort of a meat and potatoes kind of team. But it'll be interesting. They're playing Finland, who they played the last two years for the gold. Won once, lost once, both in overtime. Back in Finland, it'll be sort of, for the Finns anyways, third time's a charm. Not for the Canadian guys. But um, but what's been the best part about this tournament so far is Switzerland, U.S. Kind of young, fast, yeah. skilled teams mm-hmm. have been the best two teams in the tournament which is probably a good thing for the tournament because there's always not a lot of goals scored here. 
Um, so that, you know, you want those teams to do well because that would be a good way to copy how we want to play. Yeah, this, right this program is unbelievable over the last three yeah. years, right? Uh, the money they put in that and you're seeing I mean, just they're, they're building a powerhouse team, which is great. All right. And for USA Hockey, uh, you know, USA Hockey, they've struggled to get players way more than Canada over the mm -hmm. years to this tournament. So just great for USA Hockey. And they're led by a whole bunch of guys from the World Juniors, Cutter, Cutter Goche and Lane Hudson. Shaggy, here's my question for you, though. Okay. Switzerland is playing Latvia last game. Slovakia is already qualified, so they're hoping Switzerland wins in regulation and Slovakia okay. makes the quarterfinals. Switzerland sits out Heischer, Niederreiter, Dennis Mulgan, um, Dean Kukon, like for their top players. Is that okay with you? I'm okay with it. Are you, are you doing an impromptu red card, I'm, yellow I'm, card, I'm, no card here? Yes, I'm impromptu. Impromptu. Over impromptu. the content. Yellow card, red card, no card. I give it no card. Not my job to make your path easier. I did yeah. my job. I'm Switzerland. What's your take on that, Shoggy? Because yeah. Slovaks, not happy. I, well, I bet they weren't happy. That's, I mean, that is a major shift in competitive balance. And, mm -hmm. and you could say the integrity of the competition, right? What's supposed to be gathering all the best players that you can together and having mm -hmm. a good, honest competition. Uh, I'm going to go no card, though. I think you do what you need to do at that event to win. That event mm -hmm. is massive for those European teams, man. It is. It, it should be cutthroat because it's so big for them. I'm going to go no card. P? Uh, I'm going to go no card because I, I think that uh, you've earned the right by being first <laughs> and resting guys before the real game starts. I like so it. Okay it. I like it. Bunch of cutthroat right. people. My kind of group. The sign of a good red card, yellow card, no card, though, Johnny, just so you know, is if there's a little bit of dissent among among the well, commentators. So I you can get Miro Shatan. That... He's down the hallway and get him his opinion oh, on boy. it. Go wake him up. <laughs> he, he will not. He will definitely say red card ejection. <laughs> And for the record, here's my iPad. I'm, the book I'm reading, Terry Ryan's book right now, just for the record. Terry Ryan's you're reading? Yeah. yeah. Tales of the First Round Nothing? Is that the, that's yes. the one? Yes. Round Bust or First Round Nothing. Yeah, exactly. Whatever it's called. Yeah. First round, Yeah, whatever it's called. Awesome. Well, the Ultimate Arbiter not available uh, on location doing something we're thinking that we about can't it. speak of. Yeah, we'll get him back on the podcast soon. All right, Johnny, since you're producing today, am I okay to move on to the breakdown here? Yeah, let's go. Let's get to the NHL. Breakdown, come on. All right, let's get to the breakdown. Tons to discuss. Brought to you by our great friends at Kuma Outdoor Gear. they got a wide range of gear to fit all your outdoor needs, from tents and sleeping bags, travel games, pet products, and drinkware. And they've got a fantastic new heated chair. It is called the Switchback Chair. It's powered by Bluetooth technology. You can preheat the thing before you go outside if you want. Absolute luxury in an outdoor chair. I've got one. I love it. I'll probably sit in it. At some point today, Kuma Outdoor Gear, uh, proud sponsors here on Got Your Back NHL Edition. Jamie Ben, Jamie Ben. He's a warrior. He's a battler. He's an alpha male. Sometimes alpha males flex. Uh, you know, it was called disgusting by Jonathan Marchessault in an in-between periods interview. Uh, Johnny, what would you call it? What did Jonathan Marshall call Petrangelo slash just as a point of reference? Was that also disgusting? Oh, yeah. oh. well, he referenced no, the fact that it was called a yes. not a hockey play, right? Okay. That, that And did he say that about Petro when he did it? No. I'm not sure he did. So, no. you know, we take it with a grain of salt as guys will, you know, be stronger with their words about the opposition, their own teammates. But I, I think, so listen, it was, it was ridiculous and how aggressive and unwarranted it was. Um, yeah, and out of, out of context, like not even trying to hide it. There's a puck battle going on and I slipped and I got you or we're jostling 
and jousting and I got you. It's like, no, you fell down. There's nothing going on. We're a minute in the game, regardless of what's happened previously. And like you can do that and hit me here or here or right. here. You can't hit me here not, or not here. Not so much here, yeah. Here. Not here, not here, right? Exactly. There you go, no, Tommy Boy. Favorite. Yeah, not yeah. so much here. So um, clearly, he lost control. Uh, he had he had a moment where he he you know wasn't thinking, and you can't do that. You know, I, I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad person. He's had an incredible year. He's a good teammate. That was a terrible moment for him, and they're in a situation, in the playoffs are a situation, Pierre, where you can't lose control. You can't afford to lose control. Five in the game is an easy and obvious call. There's no other option, and he should absolutely be suspended for sure. Um, what did Petro get? Two games? He got one game. One, one game. game. Sorry. One game. Trying, so, to, trying to annoy Oiler fans. <laughs> sorry, did he get five games? He, right. He um, should have got. He should have got at least two games. Yeah. Sure. So he got two one game. Years. I mean, I think again, like as bad as it was to an arm, it's worse to a head. It's his head. No, so no. a couple games, which might not be, which might be the rest of the season for Dallas, might be neck into next year for Dallas Pierre, um, inexcusable and unexplainable. Yeah, and you can't, especially can't do that. I mean, no one should do that. But you're the captain of the team. You're in a situation where it was a must-win game. I know everyone's like, no, the next game's must-win. Let's not kid ourselves. You can't go down three nothing, and it's the opening moments of the game, and and you completely lose judgment there. It's it's unacceptable. And listen, Jamie Ben's one of my favorite players. The fact that he plays on that line and 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 has that squirrely look at times, I want players like that on my team. I just want them to find the line, um, because if you look at, frankly, the four teams that have gotten to the final four, there's a bit of that in all four of them. By the way, you know that sort of playoff warrior and playing on the line, but you have to play on the line. You can't cross it. That totally crossed the line. It took the win out of their sails mm-hmm. in a game they had to win. I mean, that game was over five minutes in, basically. So and um, it just can't do that. Can't can't do that wearing the seat. Did the ref set a bit of a tone, Johnny? Because I thought there should have been a penalty about twelve seconds into that game on that cross check from behind that almost threw. I think it was Petrangelo uh, into the end boards. I, the, one of the first thing that happens was like, whoa, mm-hmm. that was aggressive and intense. And in regular season hockey, that's called all day long. But yeah. I saw that happen, and then Ben just the moment getting the better of him there. Well, I mean, it's, it all happens so quickly. You can hardly say, well, there was a lead up in a lack of yeah. calls that sort of grew to that moment. It was like the game had just started. They were they yeah. just got scored on. The crowd was sort of quiet to begin with. And, and I, I, you know, the, the call at the beginning of the game should have been made. I'm with you. Uh, I'm sure the refs were like, we don't want to call penalty 10 seconds in. Like yeah. that's, you know, whistles that's are just, away. Right? Yeah, well, gotta, are away, fellas. Gotta let them play. Gotta let them play and decide <laughs> of themselves, Ryan. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I, I, I mean, they could have called that one. But whatever else happened, like there could have been a full scale brawl. The, the 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 shift before it still does not excuse, allow, explain, give any sort of justification or rationale for what Jamie Ben did. It's flat out, and yeah. um, it's tough. And like even like you know, you know, it's a serious mistake. When your own coach, who do, the coaches defend players through all kinds of insanity, like they absolutely out of the side of their mouth, know they're making no sense. And Pierre, um, Pierre Labor, Peter DeBoer just like, I'm not going to pile on. He made a mistake. Like that's yeah, all I you can say. Clip. I got that clip right here, Johnny. Here's Peter DeBoer post game. Made a mistake. Fortunately, Mark Stone's okay. You know, and uh, you know we've got to live with the consequences, and the consequences were 
you know, it was uh, a big hole. So, um, but I'm not going to stand here and pile on tonight. I don't think it does anybody any good. So Peter DeBoer left to speak about it after the game there because Jamie Ben did not. I thought that was weak too, not coming out to okay. media after a play like that. I'll just well, say because, this. Because player safety hasn't happened yet, that's why. Hang on, he's got, a, he's, got a, he's got a ruling coming down. Yeah, yeah. And I think I'm with you. I, I understand. Like if you're like, I don't want to talk about it because I did something stupid. I don't want to answer for it. I get it. Yeah. But I think what they would say is, and there's probably merit to this, and I bet you would see this for most cases when there is a potential or a likely suspension happening. Players don't speak until after the decision's gone down. Yeah, they want their first I mean, comments. They don't want to say something in like that goes down the wrong road. They don't want to further incriminate themselves of this. They possibly could. Um, and I think that as much Pierre, I'm with you. That as much as anything had to do with why he didn't speak, not because he was hiding, which even though he might want to, they had to, they have to wait for player safety. Yeah, I I might lose my PH uh, PHWA card over this, but I would never <laughs> let a player speak before before figuring out what's happening with player safety because that just becomes evidence, and that's happened in the past. Some players, by the way, um, so that part doesn't bother me. But you know, I'm not surprised that Pete DeBoer was classy in that moment because you know, not only has it been his track record normally to call it like it is, he also has a personal relationship with Mark Stone. I mean, he knows that team, and, and, and I think that's genuine when he said, I'm glad Mark Stone's okay. He coached that team, you know, and, and so you're, you're in the fire and you want to beat up that team so bad and, and, and all that, but still, I'm sure Pete DeBoer generally was happy that Mark Stone was fine. I, I would know. say it's more likely a passive-aggressive defense being laid out by Pete DeBoer. <laughs> as much as he's concerned for Mark Stone, yeah. like, oh, by the way, he's okay, which is great too. news that he's not hurt yeah, at yeah. all. So take that into yeah. consideration. Uh, the jaded person in me would think that That's both series, too. both series sitting at three nothing. I don't know if anybody would have called that at the start uh, of this thing. Oh, uh, what's the man. what's the bigger surprise here for you, Johnny? Jake Ottinger's performance, an eight ninety five and a three oh two, or Aiden Hill's emergence, nine forty and a one point nine six. Like, w- what would be the bigger surprise in this moment of these two performances? Hmm. I mean, I feel like it's got to be Jake Ottinger. I mean, Aiden Hill had good numbers this year, if you look at them. And he plays for Vegas, who is a team-friendly sort of defense. But Jake Ottinger was always considered, by myself included, sort of like, you know, on the precipice of being the next great goalie. Yeah, He's the, ne- he's the best young goalie in the league, whatever young means, 25 or 26, whatever he is. Um, and he has previously been incredible in the playoffs, and he plays for a good defensive team. And you watch the highlights, and there's sometimes a guy might have a 900 save percentage, or three three point two goals against, and you're like, yeah, but look at the chances. I watch those highlights, and I look at the chances, and that that's not just on the defense breaking down. Like that's not great goaltending that I assume. So I I guess I'm saying Ottinger because I thought when you're looking at Dallas and why they could win, their goaltender was a, first and foremost the reason why you thought they could win a Stanley Cup, and he has been not the guy he's been in years past, Pierre, and that's maybe a bit of surprise. Whereas Aiden Hill has kind of been the guy he's been all year, maybe a bit better. Um, but Ottinger has kind of not, and it's not just been this series, right? Like it's been the whole playoffs. He's been pulled multiple times. He's been great at times, but then not so good at times, Pierre, which to me is, was, is very surprising. Well, you're asking the wrong guy because when Aiden Hill took the net over in the Vegas Oilers series, I didn't think anything was going to lose another period, let alone another game. <laughs> yeah. So I am, I, I've been completely wrong wins. about, yeah, I've been completely wrong about Aiden Hill. Um, and for both series to be three nothing, no one had that. I mean, I mean, these both these series were were really closely matched up if you looked at a lot of the numbers. And and, and to be honest, 
both series have played out similarly in that the opening two games really were toss-ups. Um, you know, Carolina actually had more chances in Florida in those opening two games, but got Bobrovsky'd. Uh, Dallas should have won at least one of those two games. Vegas ties it late in game two. But then you're down 2 nothing. And what I think I've seen in the last 48 hours in each game three playing out is a psychological part taken over a bit now. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're in, you, you deserve the better fate down 2 nothing, And you think in your mind, the math should even up here, right? You're getting too many looks. You got to get a bounce going your way. But what I've seen instead in both instances is the psychology of the team that's pressing starting to squeeze their sticks and, and lose patience and lose confidence. And I would say both Dallas and, and Carolina weren't nearly as good in their respective game threes as they were in the opening two games when they probably deserved a better fate. Because now you're, you, you, you start to play defeated. You know, and I think I saw that last night again. I would only argue last night for Dallas for sure. I mean, that, and that was over so early. Score effects had 55 right. minutes to kick in. So, yeah. you know, Dallas outshot them late doesn't really mean much. But I look at the Carolina game three. What were the five-on-five five shots in that game? Like 34-14? 34-12? Yeah, it, it, it still was. But but MJ, watching that game, I, I know that the, the numbers were there for Carolina. But I also think a lot of it was perimeter. Sure. I don't feel like they're getting second chances on Bobrovsky like they were earlier in the series. I know from talking to someone in their Hurricanes organization, they felt similarly like, it's starting to, you know, I think it's starting to get yeah. there. No, I'm not right. Both them things off. can be true, though, right? Like, like they, yeah. they probably should have scored more than, you know, more than, more, more than, they should have scored a goal in game three. Yeah. They probably deserve that, yeah. but they're also maybe not getting the looks they want. But I mean, I, I sometimes when I wake up and I haven't watched the game live, Shoggy, I'll like go to like, I'll watch the highlights and I'll watch the tape of the game and I'll kind of evaluate it. But sometimes before I even do that, I'll go to that Money Puck's a great site that has a whole bunch of different yeah. features on it. And one of them is like deserve to win meter and they run like a thousand simulations played out that way. Who should win? How often? And Carolina has been like 80%, 75% all three games. Yeah, I know. So, Especially the I opening mean, two games. The opening two games are unreal. Yeah. Take yeah. for what it's worth. It's, a, it's an algorithm. Yeah. It might not be the most you know accurate thing in the world, but it gives you a sense of, you know, how sometimes goaltenders just mess with everything. The best laid plans, the best put together team, the best game plan and coaching all goes out the window Sometimes in the game of hockey, which I don't think players want to have as a fact, even though it is, they know. I don't think managers and I don't think fans want to accept like sometimes it's just luck and goaltending and the nature of the sport where you don't always get what you deserve. Yeah. Florida looking to close things out. Uh, back to Aiden Hill quickly. Uh, was great between the pipes and then at the podium after mm-hmm. the game was pretty solid too. So I don't know if you saw the highlights or not. I did. But as they were coming out, I think for the third period, and the, by the way, honorary red card for Dallas fans last night, just littering the ice oh, mercilessly. Ridiculous. Aiden Hill gets hit with some popcorn on the way out uh, to the ice for the third period and then delivers this beauty. You wouldn't see that at a Cowboys game. Come on. Delivers this beauty post game. I guess uh, everything was just hitting me tonight, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. I thought that was. You know was what, though? To get out there and say. It was, was such a good on. line. He didn't get a good enough reaction. Like, where's the kid laughing? Like, that's brilliant. I mean, Petrangelo next to him laughed. Yeah, but but like, he got nothing. It was like, I mean, I guess the the writers are trying to be professional or something. But I'm like, come on, man. Don't make the guy chuckle at his own funny joke. That's a brilliant (laughs) line. Kind of laid it, landed flat. Yeah, absolutely. Now, have we ever seen, like, they always threaten, if you throw something else on the ice, we're going to call a penalty on the home team. in, In Florida, that's a real threat because of the rats. You, yeah. They actually, having just covered a series in Florida, 
there's a message that comes on the scoreboard right I've away. never seen a penalty call because never a rack was on the there. It's never but happening in the playoffs. So tell me, Pierre. Two like, opposition fans chucking crap yeah. on the ice. Right. Like, yeah. like, so what about when they happen. win and it's 2 nothing and there's 10,000 rats? I don't see a delay of game penalty going yeah. up on the board. Yeah. And they warn, remember, they warn Leaf fans in Toronto on the elimination night. When but why warn me everything. if you're never going to call it on me? And it's a, like, yeah. I get it, it's an impossible thing to call, Sean, because you're right. Like, I'll buy a, I'll buy a whatever a Dallas Stars hat if I'm a if, if I'm a Vegas fan and throw it on the ice and get a penalty from the other team. But I just, right. I, I get the warning. I just can't remember anyone ever getting called on it. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, guys, yeah. let's get to some of the uh, management and coaching stuff happening around the National Hockey League. And where else do we start but with the Toronto Maple Leafs? Kyle Dubas, Brendan Shanahan, uh, the soap opera that we saw play out here. Interesting statements from both. So Shanahan, with a shocking level of detail in his press conference about the intricacies of their negotiation, the ebb and the flow, and how he felt and how he perceived Kyle to feel. And boy, just really pulled back the curtain, Johnny. So there was that, and then Kyle Dubas answers with a, a statement where he didn't say a whole lot and uh, signed off with the Dubas family. We don't see these things. These things mm. don't happen. Which was more odd to you? You know, Kyle signing a statement off the way he did or Shanny pulling the curtain back? Oh, I think Shanny for sure. Uh, as the kids would say, he came with receipts. Like, he, he wanted to show you exactly what was going on. We don't see that level of transparency, which I don't think is a bad thing. I'm not going to criticize Shanny for that. I think fans, you know, would be wondering what the heck happened. And he gave them the, his version of what the heck happened um, and the timeline and the way it sort of laid out that they sort of had a deal and they worked through the family issue. And then Kyle wanted more something, more money, more autonomy, more power, however you want to phrase it. And that turned off Shanny especially when there's hesitation about how committed he was because of his family concerns. And that's why he went a different direction. Like, I think that's essentially what happened, but the way he sort of walked it all the way through, it, it showed Leaf fans, I guess, what, what he thought was going on and also painted Kyle as maybe, I don't know the right word, like not disingenuous. I believe the stuff about the family was true, but just, you know, the fact that if you're going to go up there on Monday and say your family is a big problem, when you already sort of Saturday or Sunday had agreed to the framework of a, of a contract and then Thursday said I want or Wednesday I say I want the job and then Thursday say oh yeah but I want more money when I've already sort of agreed to it it could have painted Kyle as reneging on a maybe a pre-existing deal um and what and I don't know exactly what happened because Kyle won't tell us exactly what happened Shanny surprising Kyle not surprising he took the high road not surprising that he thanked everyone and sort of just went out on his own terms and maybe a little passive aggressive jab at Shanny with the Dubas family or maybe just a recognition that a reminder to everyone why we are where we are is because his family was so important to him in this decision-making process. Um, but it is a little fascinating because it does seem like, Pierre, you would know way better than me. This relationship, this contract, this extension for Kyle Dubas was something that could have been salvaged if both guys really wanted to salvage it. You know, they, they sort of had made yeah. headway and then all of a sudden it fell apart in like 14 hours. Kyle could have gone to Shani's house and say, hey, hey, all right, listen, well, that's let's the email. That's let's the equivalent of the out. email, right? Yeah, but like you can go talk to someone. Yeah. You can explain why your agent is asking for a million dollars more now. Like, and this is MLS and E, respectfully, a million dollars is a million dollars. But like they don't mind $250,000. They don't want to split it to five hundred dollars if this is the guy they want. And the fact that Brendan Shannon acknowledged he had made the decision. Kyle Dubas was the GM he wanted going into the future on Sunday. And then by the following Friday... He's not the guy. 
That is a because wild of things swing. Kyle said because of things Kyle said, Pierre, and and the way the negotiation went. So you want him as your guy, but he talked you out of that in the period of a couple of days between. Because he said he was concerned about his family. Said. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Well, there's no question that Brendan Shanahan and MLSC ownership were caught off guard by Kyle Dubas's, uh comments at that Monday news conference. They they did not see that coming, and. As Shanahan rather remarkably, candidly, in his news conference mentioned, by the way, he tried to dissuade Dubas from having that news conference. He wanted him to wait with him until they figure out whether or not they were signing him. But Dubas went ahead and had it. Um, there's no question for anyone even questioning that Dubas was pu- putting on the emotional family angle to all this. Come on. That is genuine. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. the stress of the job definitely had gotten to him and affected his family. That's real. The rest, you can certainly criticize him that he perhaps overplayed his hand in terms of the counter offer at the at the eleventh hour. But I think it really comes down to I don't know how much Cal Dubas truly in his heart wanted to come back as as Leafs GM, given all the other circumstances. And if he was going to, there was going to be a price to be paid for him to return. There, there was a tax there, and uh, and Brendan Shanahan clearly said, "Yeah, I'm not feeling this now. Now that you've done this, so it is what it is." Not, you know, there's no sides to be taken for me in this. I think both guys may look back in 10 years and actually regret the way it played out, by the way. Both guys. Because mm-hmm. Kyle Dubas had a chance to be a Leafs GM for 10 years and perhaps finally lead them to the promised land. Brendan Shanahan has gone from someone he at least knows and 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 helped develop as a young executive to the great unknown now. And I say the great unknown. We know that Brendan Shanahan's already met with uh, Brad Tree Living and and that would be certainly a sound replacement for sure. But it's still the great unknown. Uh, you know, Brad Treeliving and Brent, Brendan Shannon have never worked together. And if it's not Brad Treeliving and it's someone else, it's still the great unknown. And so it's a risk by Shanahan, and now it's a risk for the rest of his career by Kyle Dubas. Pierre, I totally hear what you're saying about the family stuff being very genuine. And anybody who is an executive in hockey that has family and young kids... I can only imagine the grind that it is on their family, right? That's a tough thing. And he was open and honest about it. And and that's more than fair. But I guess, Johnny, maybe what I would ask you is if you're another team and you're paying attention to all of this and you're thinking about Kyle Dubas potentially if, if he's available, does any of what he had to say give you pause the way maybe it gave Brendan Shanahan pause? How all in is he in a, is he in a position to be right now based on the things that he said? Uh, it, it seems to me like Dubas put that out there and rightfully so, if that's what his reality is, but, you know, and then sort of boxed himself in a little bit by saying, if it's not Toronto, it's nowhere. So the combination of those things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how do you think about the way that all played out for future employment? Uh, if you're asking me, I would say like this, Shaggy, if you're asking me if I'd be, if I would mind, if I have a guy as a GM who is, you know, devoted to his family as well and, and prioritizes them as well as his job and tries to find a balance and make sure that they're well taken care of as well as doing a good job. Of course, of course not. not. Right. Right. Of course not. And and I think it was just rare because you could ask Ken Holland. Right? He's older family, but he could, you know, any Brad Trey living, anyone who's a GM in a North America a Canadian team, it gets probably pretty stressful in their family. Like, I don't think Kyle's alone in feeling this. And so, I no, I don't think it affects one way. The, the only thing that kind of boxes him in is saying Toronto or nothing. Yeah. Now, he could very easily explain a reversal of that by saying, well, that was pre-Shanny thing on Friday. Uh, maybe my desire to, like, you know, see it out or be 
you know, leave Toronto alone uh, is different now. Now he may want to go somewhere else. And I like the way that Pierre phrases, because I wonder if this is maybe how, I have no idea if it's true, but can you imagine, let's, let's play this out. Kyle has, says what he says on the Monday. He's got the deal. He goes and sits down, talks with his family. And his family says, listen, Kyle, we love, we love what, you know, you love what you do. You're very good at it. It's so hard in this market with the attention we get and the stress on you and the stress on our family. Maybe there is a leaf tax to doing this job here. Because let's say you're going to make $4 million on the previous contract. We can go respectfully to Pittsburgh and make $4 million. And we don't deal with that same degree of stress at all. Not the same right. scrutiny. No one talking to me at the grocery store. No one leaving. Like, you know what I mean? There is a leaf tax for the burden it is on our family. And then he goes back to Shani and sort of maybe asks for that tax payment. And Shani says, no, like that all sort of makes sense. I And I agree with Shani not liking it, but I also agree with Kyle maybe asking it um, because it is that challenging. But as far as like, if he wanted to, I still think Kyle Dubas could find a job this year in the, in the NHL as a GM. Pierre, not many jobs available, but um, you know, I don't think there's any hurting his future chances because how this went down. No, he, he's got a bright future ahead of him. Whether mm-hmm. he jumps into the Pittsburgh thing, if that interests him, or decides to sit out this cycle and wait for, hey, could be a job opening in Edmonton in a year. Um, you know, we'll see mm-hmm. where that goes for Kyle Dubas. I mean, I got to tell you, for the amount of people that the Penguins have interviewed for that GM job, and I get it, the Penguins are, are one of the sexy franchises in a league with an amazing history. I don't think that's a great job. Like you're trying to push your window open about two more years with a legacy core for sure. I mean, Sidney Crosby, top five mm-hmm. player of all time. But what we saw this year, frankly, is who they really are. They're a bubble team until they go off a cliff in my mind. Pierre, would, would the moves, Pittsburgh but... job, would the Pittsburgh job or the Ottawa job be more, you know, well, desirable I, I know for pe- Kyle Dubas? I know people have mentioned the Ottawa job. I, I guess it, it that one to me all depends on on who ends up as the owner there. Like for example, if it's Michael Anlauer, there's been so much said that you know he has a close relationship with Steve Steos. Sounds like Steos might be a possibility there for GM. Um, I know that there's there's someone uh, I can't report it because I can't confirm it, but there's a name connected to the Kimmel Group and and so on and so on. So. Yeah, it may be that that, that Dubis it would be a strong option for Ottawa, but I think it depends on who ends up in charge in terms of the owner. If you're asking me, Shaggy, who which job I'd rather have, I'd rather have yeah. Ottawa's. Yeah. Greater oh, outlook sure. for the next five yeah. years, right? I, I yeah. think Pittsburgh, you'd be trying to do something that you know you shouldn't try to do, Yeah, which is win with the current group That's a right great now. point. Yeah. yeah. Really good point. And, so and, let's... And, and listen, I, I've, I guess I should be careful here, but... I've spoken Don't, to a candidate. Just go well, for it. Well, I've spoken, <laughs> I've spoken to a candidate that uh, had an interview in Pittsburgh. He's no longer part of it, but you know, he he told Fenway that you know th- this is the reality of where this roster is headed, and I'm not sure that's what Fenway wanted to hear. So maybe so that's why he's not fact, a candidate yeah. anymore. Well, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, I think I respect people who do that because they want to go in if they get it with the clear understanding of expectations. But my point right. is. Not only am I concerned about the ability of this team to contend again, and hey, hope they prove me wrong, um, but it's always a tough spot too. And the, your owners may have unrealistic expectations of, of where things are. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think that's a great job in Pittsburgh. One last thing on Kyle Dubas, and, and far be it, I'm sure he could care less what my advice is, but you know, he, he put out a statement on Twitter yesterday. It was well written. 
there are a few GMs, and I think it's because of his age, he's only 37, few GMs more savvy and, and understanding of social media than Kyle Dubas. But if I had any advice for him in his second go-around as a GM, wherever that's going to be, is to disconnect a bit from that. Because I think that there's some level of that leading to his stress, especially mm-hmm. in the last year in Toronto, where I th- I guarantee you he would have known all the time what's being said about the Leafs and about him and everything step by step. And I don't think it's healthy from a mental health perspective. Listen, same thing we say. I, I do speak at like prospect camps in Shoggy. Same, I tell I tell that to kids. I'm like, you got to be really careful. I, like yeah. when you, things are going well, it's not the best thing for you. When things are going poorly, it's not the best thing for you. And the same probably applies for for executives as well. And for us, it can get yeah, ugly. Listen, <laughs> listen if, I get another, if I get another, you're worse. You're worse at broadcasting than you were as a player, and you were a terrible player. Tweet. I don't know what I'm gonna do with myself. Oh, I, I mean, I made a point of not going to look at my mentions after I posted my Sam Bennett article following Game Two of the Florida Toronto. Oh series. boy, you guys, you guys haven't smelt or haven't felt smoke <laughs> until you've taken on some McDavid smoke in this market. Like yeah. anything to do with McDavid and the fans will absolutely devour yeah. you. So, anyways, yeah, good, good advice though, Pete. Uh, okay, quickly, uh, lastly on this. Shanahan reportedly, in his conversations with the core four, this from Chris Johnston, giving him the sense that they would all be back. I feel like the general manager, whoever that's going to be, probably needs to make a big part of that decision. Was this? Are you surprised that uh, that might be the case here, that Shanahan gave the indication that those four are heading into the offseason reportedly feeling like they're coming back, Pierre? I would say my interpretation of those events is that Brendan Shanahan probably felt he had to say that to his core four. Whether or not that's the final result remains to be seen. How about that? Is that, is that, mm-hmm. do I get away with that? Because, yeah, no, why, yeah. why, why say it's your it? your podcast. Well, why say it? no, I, I, I just think that he probably felt the need to put their mind at ease, but the reality is, I still think all bets are off. But why do they have to know that? Right. <laughs> well, I think that's it's the, the issue. Like, well, I think a couple of things come up here, Shaggy, real quick. One is the idea of like GMs don't operate in a vacuum. Like I think people, right. we need to appreciate this. There are people that their bosses, their owners, whoever that influence some of the decisions they make. And so you're not exactly sure what is an organization thing and what is a GM thing. I think that is part of every GM's job to some degree. And maybe Brendan's part of that conversation with Kyle when he wants to make trades. The other thing is, Part of me thinks like, listen, I'm all for player empowerment and and being mindful of players, how they feel and, and ownership and what's going on. Feeling uneasy in that sense might not be the worst thing for this Leaf group. Like not everything's going to be okay. Not everyone's going to come back at for sure. Not everyone's going to return no matter what. Like we, we've not done what we needed to do to earn that sort of continuity. Right. That's the nature of the game we chose to play. When things Make don't go well, a... changes get made. And sometimes those changes are players, and sometimes those guys are star players. And I don't think it's going to be you, but I'm not going to say it can't be because we haven't won squat. Like, I think there's yeah. some some sort of value in that. Like, hey, just so you know, now yeah. they're, they're negotiating with Nylander, negotiating with Matthews. They have to sort of placate them, I guess, a bit. But just as a whole, maybe a little uneasiness might not be the worst thing for the Leafs. I, I, t- I totally agree. And, you know... Bottom line is, let's say Tree Living does get this job. I mean, the first 72 hours of his job will be being on the phone with Austin sure. Matthews' camp. They need to 
iron out a verbal agreement as soon as possible because you can't. The idea someone suggested this week from another team, well, you could always, if you have enough trust built up, you can still go to camp and it's not done yet. No. You cannot let July 1st come and go and Austin Matthews has a no move. How could you, Pierre, how how can you ask Austin Matthews to make that decision? What day is today? The 24th? Five weeks? You haven't even named a GM. Presumably the new GM will want want to make decisions about the direction of the team, including the coach. And you're going to ask a guy to commit to three to eight years? And that's probably why Shanahan was looking to provide clarity, right? right, Because what Matthews camp is going to want is clarity on the plan and the core. Sure. Sure. But you're going to want that from the guy running it, not just Shanny. And like, even if Austin's group wanted to slow play it under Kyle, that might've been possible, but now it's completely legitimate. Like they don't have to make up a reason. Like we don't know, like we need to evaluate what's going on here. And can we do that by in five weeks? Maybe, but maybe not. And I don't think he would be made. They, they wouldn't have to stretch the truth to say that now. Like, you know, he's got to commit hundred million dollars of his career to this team for the next seven, eight years. You, you, I don't know if that's enough time, Pierre. I don't know if there's enough time to do that and expect to get a deal agreed upon in principle before July. Well, 1st. and it, and it last just word, be quick on that. Well, I just Sorry. gave Matthew so much leverage as if he didn't sure. already have enough. But give now him more. It's like, give him now more. Now it's like <laughs> I might have played ball with a GM that I knew that I had a really close <laughs> yeah. relationship with. That's it. And now it's like here's the price if if you and it's all believable. Time. It's yeah. not you don't have to make it up, Shoggy. Yeah. Uh, this is the Quizmaster script. Uh, we have decimated it. We've destroyed Perfect. it by being long-winded. He's pulling his hair out uh, as he's watching us tape this. So we got two There's things not a lot left of hair to do. There. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Fair point by you. Uh, two things left to do. We'll do them reasonably uh, expeditiously, quickly. Uh, we're gonna do. We uh, know what expeditiously uh, means, okay? You don't have to. Dice, you don't have to say it twice. Yeah, I, I more threw in another like, what, word what do you there think in you're case doing I. No, in case I had the wrong word, I threw in. I'm not that smart. I don't know. I don't mind it. Uh, I felt like you were kind of trying to dumb it down for Pierre and I. And Pierre's a professional writer. No, I wasn't confident I that I said the right thing. So that was me covering myself okay. in case. Okay. Although if the word was okay. wrong, you would have murdered me. So I would have let you know it was wrong. Yeah, yes. you, you would have let me know. I'll edit uh, you. We're going to play coaches match game, uh, okay. openings and potential uh, and potential coaches that will land there. Uh, but quickly, we're going to do uh, in Toronto. Uh, give me a name for general manager here, each of you. Johnny, Like, where do you think this lands? Where do you think it should land? Who should it be? Who will it be? I mean, I think it's going to be Trey Living. I think the idea that he's Canadian with experience, like, sorry, he's from a Canadian market with experience. Um, and he seems to have a working relationship with Shani. I think someone who's done it before is important. I, I don't know exactly what name I would choose, but he's one of them. But someone who's done it before. Pierre? I mean, listen, right now he's the only candidate that we know for a fact, uh, you know, has met with Pierre, Brandon you're supposed Shannon. to say me. You're supposed to say me. Oh, MJ? You in the mix? I would love for you to run a team. You want to talk about modern? <laughs> you banking. and Craig Button? Yeah, real. Um, <laughs> you probably have to bring me in just to balance some old school. But sure. um, you would be so leaky if you were Listen, management. Tree, You'd talk to living, everybody. Tree Living has such an advantage over all the other potential candidates right now because he's the first guy in who's met with Shanahan, right? So it's hard not to say his name. I mean. We obviously, I wrote about it, so did Chris Johnson, and a lot of people have talked about the Doug Armstrong thing. It just seems too, it's too, it, it's too difficult to wrangle. He's got three more years on his deal. Yeah. Why would Tom Stillman want to part with him? Remember that you can't get compensation anymore for loss of front office people, right? It'd that be a bad look for Army, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be a bad look for him to do that? 
Three years uh, left on bit. the deal, and yeah. I think it's a bit of a bad look. So, anyway, I get why you're. I, I had lunch with him yesterday. <laughs> it's all and? the buzz, like, and every time he walks by, is that a leaf? Color? It's like he's wearing a blue shirt. Is that a leaf blue shirt? Like it's like it's a running <laughs> gag over here, and he's like, no, no, no. Like you know, he, I, I, I don't know if that's uh, quite as plausible. So Pierre, yeah. did you give us? You're saying tree living too, or you taking yeah. an easy one there? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean. I'm not going to pick a name that I can't, I don't even know if he's actually going to meet him or her actually yeah. going to meet with Shanahan. So, yeah. yeah. And I'll take that one too. It just makes too much sense. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of synergy there. Okay. Uh, celebrity match game here. I don't think we've got the, uh, what's the theme music to match? You guys. There you go. Sort of you like that. Before. that You're good at it. Yeah. The... Okay. We're going to go coach opening. Johnny, you're going to tell us who you Hang think on. would. Yep. Hang on. I'm going to blow it one more time. Your show. Your you're show. rolling your eyes at me. I didn't even get a chance to Eric Tolsky. I want Eric Tolsky to get a job somewhere. I didn't say Toronto because he's kind of like cut, not cut from the same cloth as Kyle, but he's too similar to Kyle. But whether it's Pittsburgh or somewhere else, Eric Tolsky, I want to see him run organization, what that looks like. He's out of the running. uh, As I report on insider trading last night, he's actually out of the running in Pittsburgh now. uh, They're lost. I think he's a smart man. Go ahead. Um, Match it up. Off we go. Ready Johnny, to go? Okay, to so yep. this is what I want to do. Johnny, you're going to give us who you think would be a good fit. Pierre, you're going to give us who you think it might be. We'll play to your uh, play to your insider strengths there, P. So wrap your brain around that. Or you can answer it either way you want. Uh, okay, let's start with Anaheim, where Dallas Akins is out. Go ahead, Pierre. What are you looking for, a coach? Yeah, co- coach. Well, okay. listen, let's well, run Pat, down you, the list. You just fired Pat Verbeek? Right? He just fired Pat Verbeek. Babcock, Brunette. Carberry, Gallant, Green, Laviolette, Leach, Love, uh, Patrick Waugh, Alex Tangay. These are all sort of names in the ether right now. Mm-hmm. So match them up. Andrew Brunette. Okay, I'll take I'll take a I'll take a leap of faith. He's already done been a head coach. He's had great success with Florida. We saw what he could do. He's been part of another good organization. He's dealt with young offensive-minded players and seen how they kind of transform into a more complete team this past year. I think Andrew Burnett would be a good coach. And with those kind of players that they're going to have, I think that's the kind of guy you want with them. I'll go Jay Leach. Okay. Mm. Calgary. I wonder, uh, the name you just mentioned, right? The relationship there with a pretty important player in Huberto. Uh, Calgary Flames, though. Greg Conroy wants to be fun to come to the rink. Keep that in mind. Yeah, that he would be fun. Carberry would be good, too. Carberry's a really smart offensive player. Coach, great on the power play. I um, think he's ready for it. So I'd say Brunette again because I like him. But Carberry would be a good fit there in Calgary. And he's used to a Canadian market, so that stuff would uh, would not face him at all either. Sense on a front runner, P? It's early. Um, I'm going to go Gerald Gallant for Calgary. Just fit. Oh. I have no idea if they'll even talk to him. But, you know, Dregs talked about the possibility last night on, on Insider Trading. And um, Gallant has a history with Huberto. And, um, you know, he's a player's coach. A lot of players speak glowingly of Jarrah Gallant. That would feel like the, uh, you know, the kind of hire that would make sense after last year. Columbus Blue Jackets. Laviolette. Mm. It's a guy who gives an early coach bump, kind of a stern hand he for does. a team that needs some guidance. And he and is a stern may- hand. And maybe a little bit more, you know, pushes them in the way that they need to be pushed. Yeah, it's interesting. The fact that, uh, as we reported, that they've chatted with Laviolette and Mike ba- Mike Babcock, among others, but the fact that Yarmulke Kekalin has, has interviewed both those guys, 
What does that tell you about what he feels like he needs in this? He's mm. is he looking to bring back torts in some ways? Or what? <laughs> Need a I just more saw Yarmo in the lobby, Shoggy. I'm gonna go ask him next. I you gotta go like, get these gonna... answers, Johnny. We're You're gonna go for a job right tomorrow. Now, I'm gonna go yeah. ask him when he's exhausted after 10k. He can't think clearly when he's the fence down. I'll get the he'll goods. outrun you by miles. Have you seen that guy? You tell me that he can keep up with Yarmo? Of course I can. Come on, Shoggy. <laughs> uh rangers i'll die trying <laughs> yeah exactly uh rangers uh who wants to take that mm. one go ahead shoggy uh go ahead pierre give me patrick wah no let's yeah. do it let's do uh, it there's our promo clip there's our played with, promo played, clip. played with uh chris drury in colorado uh obviously looking to get back as we talked about on uh, on it last night he's hired a new agent um He's not coming back just for the sake of it. The fit has to be right for Patrick Watt. And I just think original six, how much fun would that be? It would be fun. I just want to, I have no idea if he's a good coach. So that's why I say no. I have no idea. Like he got the, he got the ultimate goalie bump. His one he, good he year in Colorado. Adams, didn't he? I think he wanted Yeah. Jack Cause Adams. what was his goalie that year? His goalie like had his career year by a thousand miles. And then they would, they were not good at all the next year. I don't know if he can coach. So the only issue there is what if he can't? Cause New York's sort of committed to now. Like New York right. needs a guy mm. for now. Mm. Um, I was I was hoping they were like I thought they were hoping that Mike Sullivan might leave Pittsburgh because that would be the guy they would go get, but not available. I mean, Mike Sullivan's very this is like talking about Doug Armstrong with Toronto. I mean, very Mike, unavailable. Mike, Mike Sullivan's extension hasn't even kicked in yet. With the yeah. I think he <laughs> kicks in in 24, 23, 24 season. Or and he's picking the 25. GM. He's part of the he's the GM picking team. So yeah. he's not going anywhere. He's basically. Did you give us the Rangers management. yet, Perry? Did you give us the Rangers yet, or we move on to Washington here? Yeah, I said, said Patrick Wav. Oh, oh yeah, Patrick Wav. Yeah, the, the Sorry, good answer. Uh, Washington. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to focus on the Quizmasters list here. Washington. He's got Toronto on the list. Like that's not me putting him on the list. Quizmaster has uh, Toronto that's on the not list. Fair to Sheldon, Keith. Come on. So. Washington Capitals. Spencer Carberry. Yeah. Mm. They, they, he coached their team. Popular and name out there. Yeah. Well, they, they met with him this week. Um, I mean, listen, Washington's talked to a lot of people, but that's a guy that they knew as a young coach, and they probably regretted letting him leave to go to the Leafs. And uh, I bet you they bring him back. We'll see. I could be wrong. Johnny, as we wrap. Jeff Halpern. Yeah. Jeff Halpern down in Tampa. He's been around a lot of winning. Coached star players. Top heavy lineups. He's seen Coop navigate all that stuff. Maybe he is. Uh, he's been there for a few years. So maybe he's poised to take that kind of. And he's got a bit of history with Washington. All right. Yeah. I like it. I've written down all these answers. And I will report back in about three months with who won the <laughs> uh, celebrity coaching sure. match game. Johnny, do a, great do, job. Do a podcast in July or August when I'm not around. That would be perfect. <laughs> yeah. No, we're doing podcasts all summer, buddy. I just, just oh. talked to the sponsors. You we're can. We're going to go right through twice. You can there. absolutely do that, You can buddy. come down to my cottage, Pierre. We can do it from the dock. And hit Shoggy up from the from the boathouse uh, balcony. Can I, can oh, I come to the cottages, chance. you guys? You can come. That, to the I cottages. think that was an invite to the cottages. There's I room. I, I already invited you, you Ryan. Yes. Did I hear that? So I'm yes. welcome. Yes. Nice. Always welcome in the boathouse. You don't sleep in the main cottage. Oh, I'll take it. Do I got to bring my own food and am I feeding myself or are you no? Guys are I, I provide I food and lodging are on me. That's okay. <laughs> All right. I'll see if the Got Your Back budget has some space in it for a little. Uh, <laughs> We'll have a little meeting of the brain trust this summer at somebody's cottage. Perfect. Sounds good, boys. Johnny, great job of the world. As always, enjoy the rest of the tournament. We'll uh, check in with you next week, my friend. Sounds good.
All right, lots more to come on the podcast, folks. Stay with us. We want to tell you about a truly Canadian company. Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals provides equipment and supplies to all facets of the Canadian construction industry. But what sets them apart is their get-or-done attitude. It's a core value of their company. I've been to the offices. I've seen how they proudly display that on the wall at each branch. Every one of the staff members lives by the get-or-done formula to ensure they'll never let their customers down. They'll bend over backwards to get their clientele what they need when they need it. They don't make excuses. Cross Country Canada takes great pride in this attitude and they truly believe that the success of their customer is their success. You can't get much more Canadian than that. All right, time now for Who's Got Your Back, brought to you by Liberty Smart Security, a company that absolutely specializes in having your back. High-quality advanced smart security systems for your home or for your business, they use leading-edge technology to protect the things that you value most in your life. Your home is your castle. Might as well protect it with the best. That is Liberty Smart Security. I've been using a Liberty Smart Security system for oh, probably six or seven years now. They're awesome. Really intuitive, really easy to use. Uh, it's a great product. Visit libertysecurity.ca. Our guest on the podcast today, thrilled to have him, the newest general manager of the Calgary Flames, Craig Conroy, played 1,009 NHL games. Pretty honestly, 542 career points, 182 goals. But it's what he did after that that was also pretty impressive. Uh, started down the management ranks, took on any job that he had the opportunity to sink his teeth into and really earned his stripes behind the scenes. All of that culminating into a press conference yesterday where he was named the team's general manager. Uh, thrilled to have Craig Conroy on the pod today. All right, joining us from what uh, is maybe his new office. Craig, is that, uh, are, you, are you sitting in the new office? Yep, this it doesn't have much in it. Uh, <laughs> so this is the new office. I got to get, I got to decorate it a little bit. You get to bring in new furniture. You get to kind of like make it your own. Is that one of the perks of the gig? I think they let me do whatever I want right now. So I better ask for uh, <laughs> for everything at this exact moment. Yeah, no question. I was watching the press conference yesterday and I'm thinking about the way you came into the Flames organization and the welcome you got versus the welcome I sensed yesterday into this job. You told the story about what Jerome McGinley said when they traded for you. Run us through that, because that's one of the all-time quotes uh, for a guy arriving fresh with an organization. Well, the funny thing is, earlier in that year, we were in St. Louis, and Jerome actually jumped me. And he might have beat me up, which, you know, I was like, I said he yeah. jumped me. That's why he, he won the fight. But, you know, and then to, when I got traded here, to hear him kind of say, you know, we have enough checkers. I don't know why we made the trade. And I get it. Hey, Corey Stone was the leading scorer in the team. And if you looked at my numbers and what I did in St. Louis, I, I was a third line checker and that was my role. So I was like, we're really getting off to a good start here. And everyone, <laughs> I remember everyone saying, this is the nicest guy you're ever going to meet. Tyson Nash is like, Connie, you're going to love Iggy. This, this guy, you're just not going to find a better person. And I'm thinking to myself, this guy's a jerk. He's not a nice yeah. person. <laughs> He's ripping me. <laughs> so as you sat down in that chair yesterday, you know, looking at your journey into that job, you did a lot of different things. You took the long way around. You're part of this for a long time. I wonder if in the moment where you sat down and did that press conference, having been, you know, earned this job, if you really got that sense, like 
you felt glad you took the route you did and that you truly had earned this? You know what it was? I mean, I was nervous. I'll say excited, nervous. Uh, you know, the emotions were there because you just don't know. I mean, you're, you're trying to do the best you can to, you know, we always want to win a Stanley Cup here. So you're always behind the scenes. You're trying to do it. And I don't know if I ever thought it was actually going to be in the big chair. And then to be sitting there yesterday, having the press conference, it, uh, it, it was special. I mean, it was really special. And to have my family there and just to kind of go and, and reflect back on everything I've been able to do as a player and then on this side uh, and to get this opportunity, I, I can't thank the organization enough. What was your thought process at the beginning of this, uh, Craig? Because over the years, you know, we've seen where the internal candidate either has an inside track because the organization knows that person so well. But I've also seen it flip the other way where it's like, yeah, we know this person well, but, you know, the apple might be shinier elsewhere. And of course, the Flames did interview other candidates. So what was your thought process when this started was like, what is it that I need to, to sell on Don Maloney? To, to convince him he doesn't need to go elsewhere for this? You know, the one thing, Don was very open right at the beginning and said, Craig, we're going to go through an extensive search. Uh, yourself and Brad Pascal are going to be internal candidates, and I'm going to be very upfront and honest with you. You know, and he kind of said, bring the – even though we know you, bring your resume, bring your, your vision, your mission statement, or, you know, I kind of had a mission slash visions that I had in my mind, and he said kind of – give us that, let us know. And then we're going to go through a regular interview process. And, and that's kind of the way it worked. I mean, it's a little bit different because I knew Don was doing interviews and I'm in just the other office and you can hear the, hear the zoom calls and I'd shut my door. I'm thinking, hmm, I don't want to, I want to hear oh, that, geez. but uh, you know, that <laughs> was, that's part of it. So, and, and I'm glad he did it because, you know, I'd feel better than them just say, okay, Craig, you're like, you said yesterday, just to give me the job. You know, I've never been given anything in this in this game, and I, I wouldn't want that either. So now the job begins, and I know there's a tone you want to set within the organization. You talked about it yesterday. You feel the players need to have some fun coming to the rink and look forward to being at the rink. My question to you, Craig, is about coaching. And is it the coach's job, do you think, to set that tone for the group? Is a group able to have fun being at the rink through good times and bad? Um you know, if the right coach isn't in place, does that come from coaching in your mind? It is. It's the whole staff down there. It's, but it's the equipment. It's the trainers. It's it, the staff down there has to bring that energy every day. I mean, and when they do, I've been on teams when, when they, when everybody down there from the coaching staff to the trainers, when you're kind of all on the same page and you're having fun and you care about each other, you know, it just, it translates on the ice, but it does start with the head coach, the head coach, sets the tone and the assistants kind of send the message out after because I still I still believe you have to have accountability for the players. You can't just let the players do it, anything they want. They like structure. I like to know black and white what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong. It's that gray area when you get in trouble when you're not sure. And we need you need to have that open communication with the coach. You need to be able to go talk to the coach. You know, it's not always comfortable for players. I said, did you go talk to Daryl? You, you have to go in there and talk to him. And sometimes they would and sometimes they wouldn't. But I need I need each and every guy in that room to feel comfortable to go in and talk to that coach, um, whoever it is, because it, it just that doesn't work if, it, if you don't have communication. I, I will follow up here real quick. Sorry, Pierre. But 
don't want you to have, you know, I'm not, don't want to put you in a position to pile on to people that aren't with the organization anymore. But I do want to get your take on how much the feeling down at the rink might have affected performance last year. What's your analysis of how much of this was maybe what the players were going through in various ways off the ice and how much of an improvement can be made just by changing that? Yeah, I mean, I know I, I like how Daryl coaches. I like playing for Daryl. I mean, that's a thing. That's that's me. Each person's different, you know. So I do think some guys coming in had a harder time. And you know, as an organization, we figure out how can we make it better. We want to, in the end, we want to win. We want to be able to get maximize what every guy's strength is and take them to that next level. And for some reason, we weren't be we weren't be able to do it with this group. You know, I don't want to put it all on the coach. I put it on management. You know, everybody's at fault here, and I don't I don't ever put it on one person. We're a team, and that's what I said. Nobody wins the game alone. No one loses the game alone. We're just a team together. We win and lose together. Obviously, Jonathan Huberto in particular, Craig, uh, is a better player than he showed this year, and he'd be the first one to say that. Um, you know, you do have to hire a coach, and there's a couple of – guys out there actually that uh, Jonathan Huberto played for. <laughs> but, but I'm curious, uh, you don't hire a coach for one player, of course, that's ridiculous. But I'm curious about your thought process as you tackle that one, because that's going to be an important file for you in terms of hiring a coach. Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk to Jonathan. Jonathan's a big part of this moving forward. And, you know, the one thing I want Jonathan to know is we believe in him. You know, we know what kind of player he is. We brought him here because, for a reason. And I want him to get that swagger back. I think he started to get it back at the end of the year when I'd see him down in the locker room or whatever. But he just, you know, at times during the year, I know he puts a lot of pressure on himself. You know, and we have to, as a management and coaching staff, we have to help him with that. We have to take some of that pressure off. And I know he came from Florida and coming to a Canadian market and being the highest paid player and the expectations that were on him. You know what? At times I thought it was unfair and I have to figure out a way and the coaching staff and just the team in general, how to take a little of that pressure off. But also, you know, we want him to have fun. We want him to play. We want him. He knows he's a good player. I heard all his comments at the end of the year. I can't agree anymore with what he said. And I love when guys are focused and they go home. I know you're going to see the best of Jonathan Huberto next year when this, when the season starts. A lot of focus on seven unrestricted free agents heading into this season. Uh, that you got some business you got to get done right away here. I'm not sure what's realistic and how many of them you think you can get signed ahead of the deadline or ahead of this season, even Craig. But if you talked about not wanting to let assets, you know, leave for nothing, if you aren't able to get the bulk of these guys signed, uh, are you? You know, are you you feeling like there could be a lot of change come the deadline this year that not letting these guys leave for free is a big priority? So either get them done or moves will have to be made this year? Exactly. I mean, that was, you know, it was hard enough with one person and Johnny the year before, you know, and obviously Matt, Matthew was restricted. So we weren't in a rush to do anything. We we could have kept Matthew this year, but he made it. You know, he let us know, in which I appreciate. And I think I'm going to have the same honest conversations with our guys. You know, we like all seven guys. They're they're really good players. But I want I want to see where their mindset's at. I mean, I've talked to them. I kind of have an idea right now. But now that I'm in the big chair, it's a little bit different conversations we'll have. But I want guys that want to be in Calgary. And you know what? If they want to be here and we can do something, I would love to get them signed sooner than later. And if not, 
you know, I want to explore what kind of options are out there, uh, you know, with other teams. You just, you, you got to get all the information and then, and then see, uh, see what you can do to make this. Cause in the bottom line is we want, we want to win here in Calgary. We want to put the best team on the ice, but again, we don't want to come to a point where we're letting assets go for free. That's, that's and, and, and you were the right-hand man to Brad Tree Living for so many years. He was not scared to make trades, big trades. And I'm wondering what you learned from that, seeing it play out like that over the years, especially last summer when he was really put in a corner. But, um, you know, a lot of young GMs, Craig, sometimes that's not their first go-to, that, where they want to sort of be on the job for a while before they make a bold trade. But you may not have a choice. Yeah, things are taken out of your hands at sometimes, you know, and last year, you know, I saw how Brad went through the way he kind of goes about his business. Uh, it was a great learning experience for me, even though I was on this side, but to see the process to work with him. The one thing he always had a good uh, pulse on what was going on with other teams and what their needs were and if we were fits. I mean, obviously, sometimes they weren't, but uh, I think that's what I really learned from Brad. Okay, you know, get all the options, see what's out there. And then, you know, you have to make hard decisions and, and that's what's going to happen. And obviously with seven UFAs this year, uh, they're, they're going to be some hard decisions for sure. Yeah, no question. You, you mentioned, can you talk to these players about the future and what the future might hold before they knew who their head coach is? Or does that position need to be filled before you gauge their interest in doing deals and such? What's the order of that? Because well, I was going to ask if you've talked to Lindholm yet, but then I thought, well, maybe he needs to get the coach sorted first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've texted with a lot of the guys, to be honest, texting, the guys love to text right now, but so I've texted with the guys and, uh, you know, I had a lot of texts yesterday trying to get back to everybody, but I definitely would like to have a, a, if I could have the coach in place, that'd be great, but I definitely need to reach out and talk to him and just see where their mindsets were because I knew where it was maybe at the end of the season, but there was a lot of frustration. People were in different mindsets and now they've had a little time to kind of decompress and, and go home or just take some time away from the team uh and i, I want to see where they're at you know and that's the thing but i will talk to them you know it might not be the the hard conversations yet but i just want to kind of feel them out and see see what their mindset is last question from me and uh before we get to our got your back question here craig but um you know no one's harder on himself than jacob markstrom I mean, I give the guy credit that when he was struggling this past season, um, he talked about it pretty openly. And but it's also a reality that uh, that you need better goaltending, right, to, to to get back in the playoff picture next year. What's your thought of where he's at heading into next year? You know, I think he's. I thought after uh, probably the last couple months, really felt like his game was coming back. You know, I, the thing was, he was just for me. He was he was so frustrated even every day in practice. He, you can see the frustration on him. He is such a competitor, and he wants to do well in the pressure. And we need to we need to support him. I mean, and obviously, the year before, amazing year up up for the Vesna. You know what can you say? And he's such a competitor. I know he's going to come back ready next year, and I believe in him. So you know, it's one of those where I'm going to have when I have my conversations with with Marky. I want I want to know what what can we do to help you, Marky? What happened in that last couple months that we can use to kind of start the season you know is there something we can do to to make it better you know we're, he's the key i mean the goaltending is the key in the nhl right now so yeah i got to have those conversations with him and see what i can do to help him and and then we'll just move forward 
Craig, before we let you go, we've got to get your got your back story. We love asking our guests that question about the time in their life uh, where somebody came through for them and had their back. So if I put that to Craig Conroy, what comes to mind? You know, the one thing I, I think back to all those years, I kind of mentioned the fight with Jerome. Yep. There was times in the NHL, uh, a couple of times I remember being out there and there was these scrums and we were in St. Louis and there's some big men back in the day, you know, like, Stu Grimson's out there and we were in front of the net and I kind of, for some reason, I cross-checked, I think it was Stu Grimson. Oh no. And I was like, uh-oh. And all of a sudden I could feel Tony Twist push me out of the way. I got your back, Connie. I was like, oh, thank God for Tony Twist. That's a <laughs> big one. <laughs> we get a lot of good stories here on Got Your Back, but he might have saved your actual life. Well, you know when you're in those scrums, you turn around and you're I know Twister's out on the ice with me, so I feel a little tougher as is than I really was. So you just cross-check, and I turn on it, and you kind of look this way, and then when you look up, you're like, oh, no. The and Reaper. he didn't look very happy. So to have Twister push me out of the way and say I got your back was was pretty <laughs> pretty good day for me. That's amazing. Greg, you've clearly made a lot of good business decisions in your life. You're the GM of the Calgary Flames now. Cross-checking Stu Grimson? Not, Not one a of good them. business decision. Yeah. Hope those bad decisions. <laughs> hope those bad decisions are out of your system now. Well out of your system. Great stuff, Craig. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much for taking some time. Good luck with all that you have to take on here in the coming months. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate having me on. Thank you. And that'll wrap up the podcast, folks. Huge thanks for your downloads and your subscriptions here on Got Your Back. We greatly appreciate it. If you get a chance, go over and leave us a review on iTunes or send us a message on Twitter. A lot of different ways you can get a hold of us. We want to hear your thoughts uh, on our content here on Got Your Back. LeBron and Rashog, uh, as well on Got Your Back, Rashog and Strudwick, our local podcast uh, here in the Edmonton area. Big thanks to Craig Conroy for joining us. MJ for taking some time all the way overseas. And to our sponsors, Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals, Kuma Outdoor Gear, and Liberty Smart Security. Talk to you real soon. Cheers.